look forward next week to using the mic that I can put around my ear and have my hands free. I, to get stitches out of my ear, it doesn't fit right. And But anyway, that's why I'm carrying this around. So it may not be... I'd rather turn the Bible pages, but I may not do that as much this morning as we worship. Thank you, Samantha. That is an awesome song. I was telling her before, I love that song. His great name. And uh, this morning, as we look at Daniel, last week we looked at the behind the scenes of how Daniel ended up in the lion's den. And this week we're going to actually look at the account. Let's look at that lion to see if he was hungry looking. Uh, so let's turn to Daniel 6. And actually, I want to start at verse 16. We'll read aloud his scripture to the end of the chapter, verse 28. So I'm going to ask if you'll stand in our great God's honor. As I read the text aloud. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lion's? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. Before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Let's pray. Father, as we approach you, we want you to be the audience, Lord. We want your spirit to work on our hearts. Have a freedom, Lord, to minister to us, God. Because we need you. I just pray that in our time of your word, that the Spirit of God would be unhindered 
and would speak way beyond what I say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. First Peter 5, 8 tells us to be sober, to be vigilant. For our adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There's that picture of the devil as this beast who's on the loose. And he's got a mission. He's hunting for God's people to devour them. As we think of the lion, we think of him as the king of the beast. We think of him as, as powerful in the jungle. and Everybody else is getting out of the way because they don't know when they might end up a meal. I can remember back when our kids were small, we went to the Asheville Nature, I can't remember, Refuge. I can't remember the name exactly of the place. But they had some animals. And they had this mountain lion. And my kids were young at the time. I remember we walked up to the cage where the mountain lion was. And I looked at that mountain lion. And he was looking at my small children like a meal. I mean, I could see it, everything. But I can't remember if he licked his chops or not. But I thought, I am grateful that there are these steel bars between us and that big cat. Because I, you know, I don't know how I could save them otherwise. And when it comes to the line, when it comes to the adversary, he's too big for you and me. I love it when it talks about in the scriptures of James, it, it tells us, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, it, it starts not with our ability to fight the devil. It starts with our heart willingness to surrender to our God. Because it is only in that attitude and spirit of surrender and submission to the king that we can actively stand our ground in that great spiritual battle. And we see this man here. What a man of God. As he is in the battle of his life, as, as the line that we speak of here, looking whom he may devour, wants to devour Daniel. Daniel's in a difficult situation. And as we have looked at on several different occasions... It's not because of something he did wrong. It's because of something he did right. I want to look at some parallel scriptures here uh, in First Peter chapter 2. So turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, and then we're going to move back to Daniel 6. And I just want to look at some parallel points here, a couple of verses. 1 Peter 2.13 reads, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution for the praise of those who do right. In other words, when it comes to the institution of the government, you're required to seek to obey the laws. You're, you're required to, to be a good citizen within the confounds of, of confines of those laws. And verse 3, we read this about Daniel in chapter 6 of, of Daniel. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He was a man of integrity, of exceptional qualities. He wasn't a man that just didn't talk it, he walked it. He was a, he was a man who had qualities that were worthy of emulation, uh, worthy to imitate. Uh, 1 Peter 
we read, let me turn back here. I thought I had it in here. Need to keep my finger there too. 1 Peter 2.15, we read, For it is by God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. See, the best way to silence that foolish talk is to live it. To live it, not to chase it down with our own words. We know since 6-4, they tried to dig up dirt on Daniel, as we talked about last time. It says that the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, political garbage. But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. He, he was a, a true man. Matter of fact, he's one of the few characters that we find in the scriptures where his sin is not recorded. I'm not saying he was without sin. It's just not described here in the scriptures. Why? Because he was a man who walked with God and made an impact on his land in which he ruled. Um, all right, 2.16 of First Peter, back there again. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Back in Daniel chapter 6, we find that after the document was signed and after it was sealed by the king and the nobles, Daniel didn't change his behavior. Although it was illegal for him to pray before his God. There are some laws, there's a higher rule. He went to the one who had the power, the one that he really worshipped, which was the king of kings. First Peter 2.20, last one here I want to look at. What credit is there if you are treated well when you sin, but if you suffer for doing what is right, you find favor with God? It's not just Daniel's case. Sometimes you and I, in our faithfulness to God, can do what is right and yet suffer in a situation. And it's easy at those times to ask God, why? Why is this happening to me? I mean, you know, you have Daniel, and you look at this text, and he's thrown into the lion's den. You become lion chow, not because of what he did wrong, but because of what he did right. And remember Jonah, that, that there's more to the story than being swallowed by a big fish. God had a plan. He was at work. He, he was going to do something that was powerful. Although these men didn't understand it or see it fully at the time of the trial, God was doing a work on this king, this Persian king, Darius. And he was going to use Daniel in that process to get this man's heart, to, to bring him to conviction and to change him, to bring this great king, Darius, to his knees. We don't fully see the picture, the whole picture. When we're going through a trial and we're going through a difficulty, maybe God's got a plan that we just don't see clearly or we understand fully. But as we cling to Him through that trial, He's able to work through us. And that's what God did through Daniel in the case of his friend, King Darius. You see, the question is not, does the pressure come between you and God, 
rather does it push you toward Him? That's the goal. Is it come between us or does it push us together to our God? To run to Him instead of away from Him. You see, there was this friendship with this king. And although it doesn't go into detail about the time they spent together, it's obvious because of the reaction of King Darius. And you know, the phrase that caught my eye um, in this description is how he spoke about Daniel. Look at look there at verse 16 again. He, he says, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. I want you to notice how Darius described Daniel. He had watched Daniel. He had worked with Daniel. He had been through the, the, the political uh, frying pan. The, the pressure, you know, that pressure cooker that happens is people want your head, you know, and, and people want your power. And he watched Daniel's behavior. And it wasn't just that he said, you are a man who loves God. He says, you are a man who serves God continually. He said, the walk, the habit of your life. Man, the way you live day to day, you love God. It's continual. It's moment by moment. And there was a real respect and a reverence there. You know, as I thought of this, I thought back to when I was in college. And uh, the church that I became a believer in, there were a couple in the church who had started a rescue mission in Hendersonville, my hometown. And... Um, I had asked if I could speak at that rescue mission. And they said, sure, that's okay. So I went to the rescue mission. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, as the man introduced me, he said, I have no idea um, exactly what text Todd's going to use, what he's going to say. But what I can say about him is, as long as I've known him, I don't remember him falling away from God. I remember him... Walking with God. But I love as he threw that in there as far as I know. And then I think of our friend Buddy Morell, you know, that was part of Agape. And he would, I would pray with him, and I can, so many times it still rings so true in my mind. He would pray, God, help me be the man others think I am. Why? Because there, there's obviously an image we want others to see, and then there's a person that God wants us to be. And he's doing that work to bring the two together. And I, I find it comforting as this king looked at Daniel. He said, there is a man who walks with God. And it's not just in a season. Man, it's a moment by moment walk that makes a difference. Um, we don't know much about lines, dens of the past. But uh, read about a lion's den that was found in Morocco and it was underground and a big square cavern. And there was a rock that was used to close uh, the entrance from above in which they would throw food down. There were actually two different caverns. And there was the ability to raise a wall of a cavern so they could move from chamber to chamber. That way they could clean one side of the lion's den while the lion was on the other side. And, and that explains, um, through this opening, why when that opening was closed with a rock, that the king could talk to Daniel and that Daniel could hear him. Um, 
What a night of terror. Look at this king and look at his struggle. After he gave this order that could not be changed, and after his seal and the seal of the nobles, he had a rough night. Verse 18 tells us about that night. It says the king returned to his palace. He spent the night without eating. No entertainment. He couldn't sleep. He worried that night. He prayed that night. I I believe it was a form of fasting. And, And see, the thing about fasting, sometimes we think, you know, if I don't eat, that'll get God's special attention. No. The reason is because you're so burdened and you're so upset and you're so desperate that you're just not hungry because that's your heartbeat. And that was the king's heartbeat was for his friend, Daniel. Is he going to survive the night? Is he going to make it through? In, in those times of difficulty, oh, man, it's hard to explain that kind of pain. Um, you know, I think of Kathy Honecker through the years, years ago, his teenage son uh, died, and it's just very tragic. And Kathy still hurts. So many parents who face that say hurt. You know, I, I think about um, our brother Dale and his wife Brenda, and you know the tragic death of, of their son or nephew, and how they still suffer. And, and some suffering is just so deep, hurts so deep. And, and this king, he he struggled. He had, he had a sorrow that that was just heartbreaking that that he was dealing with such a fear. So then we come to verse nineteen. This is great stuff. At the first light of dawn. I mean, it's pitch black. He's just looking for some light outside. There's a little bit of light. It's time to go. So he heads out. It says he hurried to the lion's den. Verse 20, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Which tells me he was very concerned there would be no response. He says, Daniel, Servant of the living God? Has your God, whom you serve continually? There's that wonderful uh, description of him again. Has he rescued you from the lions? Daniel answered, verse 21, O king, live forever. He must have loved to hear that voice of his friend, Daniel. He says, My God sent His angel. He shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in His sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you. (laughs) Isn't that great? It says the king was overjoyed. You know, I think it's interesting here too, a couple of uh, sidebars of importance. Number one, hey, those lines were still in there. If I was Daniel, you know, it might be a little tempting to say, uh, King, let's talk after you get me out of here. I still see those big guys over there. There could have still been that sense of fear of, man, I'm glad you finally came. But we don't read that. He carries on this conversation with the king until the king decides to to lift him out. Why? Because he has seen God work. And the power of the trial has faded next to the power of God. That's what has occurred in his life. What, what, what What a beautiful truth. The second thing is, you know, we don't ever read about his 
um, bitterness. How many of us, when we're hurt, first chance I get to knock that guy out, first chance I get to hurt her for the way that she has wounded me, and they live for that. We don't read that with Daniel. We don't read about a bitterness. We we don't, don't read about him harboring hurt. It makes me think of Romans 12 where, where we're told in the chapter, Do not take revenge, my friends, for it is God. He, he's the one who handles that. He's the one who avenges. God says, I, I'll do that. And, and then it talks about burning coals on his head. It, that comes through a, a trust in God, not... not Seeking to handle those things ourselves, but but learning to to trust God. And, and this man Daniel, he had that kind of walk with God. He had that kind of heart with God. And then the critics say, "Well, those lions, they weren't hungry." Those biblical critics said they probably had plenty to eat beforehand. No problem. Look what it says in the text. To answer these critics, some people get these stupid ideas. Look what the scripture says. Um. Daniel lifted from the den, no wound on him. Why? He trusted his God. Verse 24, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel, they were brought in. They were thrown in the lion's den, along with their wives and children. Before they reached the floor of the den, snack time, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. They were hungry. Hey, the lions jumped in there. God had rescued him. God had rescued him. It's an amazing verse in Proverbs 16, verse 7. It says, When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. This was the case uh, with Daniel. The king had made a decree. And, oh, man, can, wouldn't it? How I'd love to hear this in our land. Listen to the decree made the end of the chapter, wouldn't it be awesome if in this day of turmoil in our land, our leadership would make such a decree? Verse 26, every part of the kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues, he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. It says, So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. There is a power that is released when the child of God trusts God through the depths of the trial. Does it mean the trial doesn't hurt? It hurts. Does it mean that there's no pain associated after a certain amount of time? No, sometimes the pain lasts on until we go to heaven. But what it does mean is that something happens when we trust God through all of that, that others see Jesus. We become, a, as the Scripture says, a sweet aroma to the living God, where those who are without Christ see the very power of God that comes in Christ. So that which we don't understand, God is able to use to touch hearts. That's what happened between Daniel and the king Darius. Listen to Romans eleven thirty three. It says, 
Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments, His paths beyond tracing out. As I heard James Dobson say at that simulcast a couple of weeks ago, you can trust Him even when you can't trace Him. And see, we have a God that we can't fully trace, but we can fully trust. You see, when that trial, that test, we don't understand, starts to drag us down, it seems to get worse and more intense, somehow, don't forget, God may be using your pain as a picture of His grace, of His power. Jay Kessler when he was president a few years ago for Youth for Christ, he addressed a room of about a hundred godly Christian leaders. And I love his remarks. Listen to this. He said, Men, I feel like a lion in a room full of Daniels. Well, that's something to think about. I feel like a lion in a room full of Daniels. It's how a trial feels before God. We think that trial is insurmountable. That trial... We can't survive it. But that trial must fall before a holy God who is all-powerful and all-knowing and who we can place our full confidence and our trust even when we don't understand. Let let me close with the song by Andre Crouch, Through It All. And I just want to read one verse. It's the last verse, verse 3, and then the chorus. I thank God for the mountains. I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms. He brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You for recording your deliverance of Daniel. And you are still in the business of deliverance. But the deliverance always has a purpose. It's not just to spare us. It's to glorify you. That others may see you, God. I don't know what your people are going through specifically. I may know some of it. I don't know all of it. But you do. And I believe you have a purpose. And God, although we may not be able to trace it, we can trust you. And I just pray now in this time we call invitation with an altar that's open. That as you lead, we may feel free to come to the altar and approach you. Or we may feel the time is right to come before the church family and to share publicly a decision you have placed upon our hearts. Or maybe one here who has talked about you but never trusted you as Savior would say, today's the day where I will bow my heart and I will agree with God that I need Him, that I need to be forgiven and I need that new life He promises through Jesus Christ. Father, what are you up to? We want to be a part of it. We hunger to see you work and we so frequently miss it. May we not today. Move among us, Master. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.